Welcome to Dialogues in Afro-Latinidad, a podcast dedicated to amplifying and elevating Afro-Latin American and Afro-Latinx histories, cultures, and communities. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Reed Vasquez. Join us for conversations with experts and artists to learn more about Afro-Latinidad. Venga. This three-part episode features brief conversations with Jennifer Bennett-Brown, a K-12 Spanish language educator, Israel Herndon, a college senior majoring in Africana Studies and History, and Dennis Espejo, a sophomore concentrating in Psychology, Spanish, and Latin American Studies. Israel and Dennis also serve as project coordinators for this podcast. Together, they bring perspectives on the importance of connecting students to topics and issues concerning the African diaspora in Latin America and Afro-Latinx communities in the U.S. So I am delighted to welcome today's guest, Jennifer Bennett-Brown. Uh, Jennifer Bennett-Brown is a grade eight dean and Spanish teacher at Sewickley Academy in the Pittsburgh area. And after studying in Brazil during high school, she earned her undergraduate degree in Spanish from Boston College and the University of Salamanca, Spain, and her master's in education from Georgia State University. She has taught in both middle, uh, both public and private schools since 1990. And in Spanish, in addition to Spanish, she provides instruction in English, French, Italian, Latin, and Portuguese, and conducts workshops on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and language learning. Over the past 30 plus years, she's directed study abroad programs in Costa Rica, England, France, Mexico, and Spain for middle and high school students. She uses authentic cultural experiences and a rich and robust curriculum that includes units on the historical parallels and contrasting experiences of Afro-Latin Americans, Afro-Latinos in the U.S., and Afro-Spanish populations. Her goal in the classroom is to create a positive, equitable, and supportive learning environment that fosters the natural progression of language learning. And I'll add that Jennifer was one of the first people I met when I moved to Pittsburgh's Brookline neighborhood several years ago, and we forged a friendship over our mutual interest in Spanish and travel and yoga and family. And I've always been fascinated with her experiences in Latin America and Spain and her facility with languages. So please share with us, share with us, Jennifer, um, how you became interested in Afro-Latin American culture. Well, thank you for that, Michelle. Um, I think it, it, the hook was going as an AFS student many moons ago as a junior in high school and living in Salvador Bahia, Brazil. Now, what's, a, what's an AFS and student? What does that mean? American Field Services Exchange Program, where you don't get to choose. The program chooses the country that you go to and you spend three months, six months, a year. And it was funny because I had originally wanted to use my French and wanted to go to Switzerland. And the committee did not obviously choose Switzerland. They chose okay. Brazil. Uh-huh. And I was, I was a French speaker and a Spanish speaker at the time. I didn't know any Portuguese. I remember getting tapes from the library. That's wow. dating myself, but tapes from the library to practice Portuguese before going. And I really didn't know much about Brazil. And I, um, I got off the plane and I got, you know, my host family picked me up. And they were not a um, a family of color, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of the airport and I saw all these beautiful black people. Like, I was like, wow. Like, it was, it was yes. just something I wasn't expecting. 
It was absolutely amazing. There was like a joy in me and I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I was what, like, how old are you? And like, I don't know, 16. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really the hook. Um, but it was the subsequent occurrences after that that really fascinated me because the people looked like me, but their reality, their acceptance of their color, and we're talking 1983-84, was, was vastly different than my experiences. And that was sort of the start of it all. Wow, that's amazing to be thrown in there at 16 to a place that you hadn't anticipated going to, (laughs) that you had not, that you did not know. But yes, sometimes that's just the way it happens. So kind of fast forwarding then to teaching, uh, especially for middle school, where the curriculum on the African diaspora, I imagine, is quite limited. Um, And then I know that you like to bring different perspectives to the classroom. So how is it that you engage your students? How do you fuel their interests in places they may not have ever been to or thought about going to? Well, when I first started teaching, and I've taught anywhere from elementary school to college, Mm -hmm. everybody, everybody thought people who spoke Spanish, and I started in 1990, looked like Maria from West Side Story. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I would introduce a lesson and say things like, well, you know, Roberto Clemente is... Latino, you know, and he's black and people would be like, no, he's not. And I'm like, uh, yes, he is. And you'd actually have students like they didn't believe me. They they thought literally they didn't believe me. So I was like, OK, we got to switch this up. Uh-huh. Yes. And then so that sort of started it. And I was in Georgia at the time. Mm-hmm. So and then when I started teaching at a school that was predominantly African-American in DeKalb County, Georgia, I was like, there's a connection between my interest in Afro-Latinidad and these students who are all African-American. And so let's talk about like what you share in common. Let's look at people who look just like you, but, they're, but they live in Colombia or they live in Peru or Costa Rica or you know, where they live somewhere else. And they're not thinking about basketball, guys. They're thinking about soccer. And they're not eating you know, cornbread Okay, they're eating rice and beans. And let's talk about that. And they were fascinated by that. Mm -hmm. They really, they wanted to know more and more. And so I started planning trips for them to have those experiences. And then over the years, I've been able to always introduce music um, as authentic cultural experiences that we can have, whether we're in the country or whether we're stateside. And then um, kids would say, Oh, and then the other thing is like when I lived in Spain, mm-hmm. <laughs> there were no people of color when I first went to Spain. Mm-hmm. And now it's vastly changed. And so it's been wonderful studying the Moors and the Carthaginians mm-hmm. and how the blackness came to Spain. And yeah. so it's just been a passion of mine. And that passion has to go into my classroom because otherwise, why am I doing what I'm doing? So I can't teach Spanish without teaching the culture and feeding my passion, which is how I'm able to do this. And it's 31 years now that I've been doing it. Otherwise I would still be doing it. I love creating my lesson plans and figuring out ways to authentically bring in the, the diaspora to my classroom. One 
depends on the other. They don't stand, they're not separate, they don't stand alone. And it's not like, well, we happen to be talking in February and it's like, oh, it's Black History Month. Let's talk about Afro-Latinidad. Right. No, this is an everyday Yes, thing. yes. This Absolutely. is an everyday, all day, th- this is what I do. And this is why I still love, after 31 years, doing what I do. Well, on that, I want to also ask you in terms of, especially your travels, taking the students, taking the students abroad to Spain. These are not, these are typically middle schoolers, maybe high schoolers. And so how does that, how do you think that that contributes to the students' understanding of language and culture? Are they in shock? Are they, are they, do they say things like, wow, this is what you ta- told us about. Now, now I see the connection. How does, how does that usually um, evolve once you get them there? Well, it starts with my goal in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yes. So my goal in the classroom is to create a positive and supportive learning environment where your language naturally progresses, your knowledge of culture naturally progresses. And so I strive to focus on learning the language, both in the classroom and abroad in an authentic manner. So when we get to the country, I'm like, this is an extension of what we do in class. My classroom expectations are the same that you're going to have while we're in the middle of Madrid. You're going to use Spanish. You're going to um, you're going to engage in authentic conversations to the best of your ability. Um, you're going to stay focused. You're going to be in the moment and you're going to recognize that this is an incredible opportunity that you have right now. And this could be your hook because they all know my story. My story is not a secret. It's not. So I start off the beginning of the year. Let me tell you why I do what I do. Let me tell you why I love what I do. And so at any given moment, this could be your hook. You've got to be in the moment. You've got to be um, engaged and you've got to be ready to enjoy this opportunity and take advantage of all that it has to offer you. So we don't have time for any other stuff. This is not, let's go to Spain and be like regular American kids and just right. speak English. No, you're going to pretend, okay, that that's all you know is Spanish. Mm-hmm. Period. I love it. I love and if it. you mess it up, if you mess it up, that's okay. And, and you will. <laughs> they know, and you will. And they know all the stories about how I've been in places where I have loved and made a mistake. And I don't even know if I can share all those stories now, but like <laughs> they know some of linguistic mistakes that you make and they know them. And I said, you're going to make them. And then 30 years from now, you're going to tell somebody and you can laugh about it. I said, but you can't waste authentic opportunity to use the language. And you can't just be someone who only speaks one language. And on that, so, so they hear that all the time from me. And so thinking about too, um, I'm thinking about, I often ask uh, our guests, what, are the, what they think are the most urgent issues for Afro-Latin American or Afro-Latinx communities? And I would like to, you know, think, I'm thinking about that for the students. What are you trying to urgently impress upon them um, as your work as an educator, your work personally, your, your passion for the language? What is it that you think is really, really important issues uh, for, about these communities? Well, I'm going to say self-identity. Hmm. Um, we listen to a lot of uh, music and I was talking about an artist recently who was talking about self-identity and having to live with a dual existence. Mm-hmm. Like when she was in um, her Lat- Latinx community, she doesn't feel Latina enough or she was judged because of her beautiful brown skin. Mm-hmm. And then when she's in a African-American or primarily black community, she's judged because her net, her first language is not English. Mm-hmm. And I talk about how we need unity, we need respect, 
um, we need to illuminate that Black people come from all different backgrounds, walks of life, languages, et cetera. So I want white folks, as I say in class, I said, you know, white folks need to understand social justice and they need to understand that um, there are people who are having to live in a way where they can't be their authentic selves and they don't feel like they're going to be respected no matter what they say. And you have that, but they don't have that. And you don't want to feed into what's always what's already a struggle. So I, I really feel like even as Black people, we need to help unify all Black people. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I, I mean, we need to, you know, that. and there shouldn't be judgment. Like, like you meet me and I'm speaking in Spanish. So you decide that, well, you're not really Black because you're speaking Spanish. Like, what is that? Or, you know, I'm in a, like, I have not had this experience. I've been blessed that I haven't had the experience where I've gone somewhere and you know, wherever there's an opportunity to speak Spanish, I speak Spanish. People will always say to me, oh, what part of Spain are you from or whatever? And I don't feel judged like, well, I don't know what you are. But I know that there are people who do. They, you know, and this, this artist, this singer lives in Miami. Like you would think that there would be no problem in Miami. But she talks about how, you know, she is has to suffer from a dual existence and that we need to work on people struggling with identity issues and we need to illuminate all the wonderfulness and being from the diaspora. There's not just one way to be black. There's yes. not just one way to be black. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I teach similar things myself. And can you do you remember which which artists you were you were sharing, you were discussing this this with the students? Um La Negra. Ma, uh, Mara La Negra? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, there's been a lot. I I use her a lot in my classes as well. And yeah, she's very outspoken about precisely the issues that you're talking about, about identity and being not black enough too black for this group, not enough, not black enough for another group. So yes, these are really critical, critically important issues about identity. And um, I play her music in class. There's also another artist. I have to think about who it is because we do so much music every day. But, you know, what if, you know, I remember in 1991 and being playing somebody and I can't remember who it was. And the kids were like, is that that's a black person when you dubbed her. Like they didn't believe that that like oh my goodness. They didn't believe it. But but now, you know, 30 years later, I don't have kids saying things like that. Okay. But, you know, let's draw a parallel between Roberto Clemente and Jackie Robinson. Mm -hmm. You know, let's try to, you know, see the evolution of people. And that has to go back to actually telling them about the slave trade. Yes, it's all connected. All you know, I go back to the, it's all connected. And I want them to see and be able to connect the dots. And I guess my other big thing is my freshman year of school, I went to Howard. And there's things that I learned at Howard. I learned things about our history at Howard that I didn't learn at the very excellent school I went to growing up. It's like the history course was completely different. I don't want my students to have that. I want them to learn authentic history and not have to wait until they go to HBCU because not everybody's going to go to HBCU. I want them to learn authentic history from different voices and lenses. And I think I have to be a part of that as well. And so on that, what, would you, what advice then would you give to people, to students or adults interested in learning more about this topic or about these communities? What can they do right now? Are there any resources, books, or films that you would recommend that they get at? Well, I have a 
lot of resources on my website. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of resources on my website that I will have to reach out and give to you that okay. is the last checklist. All right. Okay. A lot. But I think that they should want to self-learn. I think they should mm-hmm. research, listen to music, explore, Google search, search on YouTube. There are wonderful videos to be found. Henry Louis Gates has amazing videos. Like, educate yourself. Yes, the Black get and out into communities. Mm-hmm. Yes, get out into community communities. Go to a neighborhood that you never thought about going to. Try a food. Go to a restaurant. Well, you can't right now, but go to a restaurant. <laughs> right, but right. like, explore, explore different areas, regions, and cultures, even on your own. Don't wait for someone else to tell you to do it. Take an interest in those that maybe have a contrasting life or uh, culture than you do. Absolutely. I think this, this is fantastic advice for people who are interested. Like you said, self-education, curiosity, engaging with things or peoples or communities, histories that you have not uh, before and embrace that. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a pleasure. Uh, and we will see you all next time on Dialogues and Afro-Latinidad. Thank you. If you've listened to our trailer, you're familiar with Israel's voice. The Dialogues in Afro-Latinidad podcast brings attention to these stories and celebrates all parts of this African diaspora. Today, we'll discuss her interest in the project and why Afro-Latinidad studies has had such an impact on her. Israel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your year at Pitt, what you're studying. I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania, and this is my third year at Pitt, but I will be graduating next semester. And I'm double majoring in history and Africana studies. Excellent, excellent. So how did you become interested in working on the Afro-Latinidad Studies Initiative and the Transnational Dialogues Project in particular? Um, I think for me, where, where Reading, Pennsylvania is, there's a very high Afro-Latinx population. And for me, it was something that I was very much so surrounded by, but I didn't necessarily have a lot of knowledge about the histories or experiences of that. And then taking some of your classes, starting with history of the Caribbean and just learning more about uh, and I think more broadly, I was very interested in the history of the of the Caribbean. And so I just wanted to get involved with different ways to just continue to expand my knowledge about some of the things that I had been surrounded by growing up. Great. Uh, and so what would you say then? Well, first of all, thanks so much for taking my classes. <laughs> but <laughs> what, I'm real, especially curious about what would you say then that you uh, that you think you've learned from working on the project? I think what I've learned is, this is kind of funny because both of them are kind of contradictory, but on one hand that, one of the things about just being in Africana studies in general, I think coming to school, I thought, oh, you know, all this, all this stuff that I'm interested in is going to be all research and there's going to be no space, you know, for me to (laughs) do my own kind of research, but then kind of realizing that there's a lot of these gaps in just the study of the African diaspora more broadly. But um, then on the flip side, being a part of these different webinars and seeing the different scholars that and the different work that they're doing, there's so many topics, uh, you know, 
talking about the Garifuna, which were a group of people that I had never heard of until last last semester and then learning more in the webinars and just even how applicable some of this content that these scholars are creating is to every, everyday situations with education and healthcare disparities, even uh, looking at the coronavirus in the United States as well as in Brazil and just how real some of this stuff is and how you know it can really be useful information. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you're able to see the connections that are going on across the class content and also connected to the webinars. That's wonderful. So then what would you say to another student or someone in, who's generally kind of curious about why it's important to learn more about Afro-Latinx and or Afro-Latin American communities? I think it's really important to continue to expand our notions of what it means to be Black and also to uh, just understanding how, how, how really vast this world is. I think in particular in the United States, there's a pretty, I think, I think for, I'm speaking from my own experience, a lot of the knowledge that I gained about the world outside, oh, beyond the U.S. came from my own doing research outside of class. So I think that this is so important because these are real people and it's important that we expand our notions of what it means to even be a citizen of the world and looking beyond ourselves and understanding uh, what, what we're a part of and just the different issues that people experience and ways that we can address them, but also understanding the different ways that we can celebrate different groups of people and where we come from. So beautifully said. So glad you're an Africana studies major in my department. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess one last question. What's one resource then would you recommend to someone um, to get them started? If they were like, I, I, you know, I saw these things and heard, all, heard what you said, and I'm really intrigued, but where can I start? You know, what's a resource, a video, a book, uh, a blog that you might recommend? Well, first of all, this podcast is a great place to start. Um, I know that there, there's so many videos that we've been able to watch in class. And um, one of the things that, you know, doing the starting to kind of work on the Instagram page for this project is one of the things uh, that I found was that there was this hashtag. I'm, I'm scared I'm going to mess it up, but it's called. Um, Oh, I don't even remember. I don't even exactly remember what it was, but I think it was like Black and Latinx history or something like that, where it was, I'll have to figure out what it is, actually is, but it gave an opportunity for, to just give these quick little blurbs of these different scholars that were putting work out there about different Afro-Latinx figures. And I think that was really helpful for me because a lot of times, the, the, you know, who, who are some people that we can look to and who are scholars in the field? It was a really quick way to get connected and acclimated in, in that sense and just to see the different work that uh, people are doing. Well, great. I'll, we'll make sure we get that and, and link that. To the <laughs> yeah, let me get the and... correct hashtag. <laughs> no, it sounds like a great resource. Just again, like you said, just looking for that, find, a, find some quick information that, that will then, then you can just expand on um, your level of interest. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us for this quick interview. Uh, we want to, we, we're looking forward to hearing from 
uh, the interns working on the project, and we have one more joining us today. Uh, and again, thank you so much for all the, the work that you've been doing, um, both on the, on the project, but certainly in the classes. And you have been uh, kind of this great ambassador, I'd say, for both history and Africana studies at Pitt. Uh, and so thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Yes, thank you, Dr. Vasquez. The third and final segment of today's episode features Dennis Espejo, who has spent two semesters as an intern for the Afro-Latinidad Studies Initiative, focused on the Transnational Dialogues and Afro-Latinidad Project. If you follow this podcast on Instagram at Pit Afro-Latin, then you've been enjoying Dennis's expertise in directing our social media efforts. In this conversation, Dennis shares his focus on Afro-Latinidad studies and issues of identity. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be one of the guests. I've been working on the podcast for a long time, so I didn't think I'd actually be the one of the speakers. So it was actually great. Thank you for having me. Great. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're from Philly, right? Yes. Yes, yes, I am. Okay, so yeah, I was born in New York, actually. So very, I was born in, in Dykeman in New York and then moved from Dykeman to Philadelphia when I was three. Uh, my mother started her own business, her own bodega, um, as we call it. We call it bodegas. They're corner stores that like are over Philadelphia. And since then, that's been our business. She recently retired around a year ago, I believe. And, but yeah, that's been pretty much my business growing up. I've gotten experience of marketing since there. And yeah, so even from a young age, I've had to always kind of work because um, I, most kids like out playing like on their bicycles and stuff. Like I would, I remember it was what gets my will sometimes I had to work in this corner store when I was like 10. So yeah, that's pretty much how my upbringing was, yeah. Yeah, so let's fast forward a little bit to Pitt. So you, what year are you at Pitt? What are you studying? Yeah. Yeah, so now I, um, so yeah, so I went to Central High School and then from Central I went, came over here to Pitt. I am a psychology and Spanish major. Uh, no, wait, I'm now a Spanish minor actually. A psychology and Spanish minor with a certificate of American Studies. And within the certificate, I try to focus on um, Afro Latinx and Afro Latin, Afro Latin, Afro Latinidad within my um, certificate in Latin American class study. So right now I'm in one of your classes, actually, Afro Latinos in the U.S. And also within my other classes, I always make sure to write um, about Black people in Latin America within like my essays and papers and all those assignments as well. Well, great. Well, my next question really ties deeply into that, kind of how you became, given your areas of interest for study, how did you become interested yeah. in Afro Latinidad and particularly working on the Transnational Dialogue Project? Okay, so the so I've been interested interested in studying more about Latinidad because I was really questioning my in the place where I was questioning my identity. I didn't really know what like I really didn't know what my uh, what my identity even was because um, Latino is a made up concept um, here in the U.S. So like when it comes outside of that, I didn't really know. I really didn't have an understanding. The way the U.S. makes it seem makes it seem like Latinos this whole category where there is like no race everybody's just kind of like mm -hmm. these anyone that is no way near like the case mm -hmm. um so I really started questioning my identity and then I started reading more about Afro-Latinidad and found some stuff like resonating with me and also um had conversations with my, my other friends who also identified as Afro um uh, Latinx one of my actually it was uh, my quote-unquote grande 
from my my um, organization, the Latinx Student Association, which I am now the president of. Um, she, uh, you know, she re really had a lot of conversations surrounding about uh, surrounding that. So I really got interested in studying more. And one actually, someone else, the current president, I mean, the current slash so about to be former president of the Latinx Student Organization, and Ashley Brown, she actually told me about this internship that you were hiring for and I was like that is actually something that <laughs> goes perfectly with what I am trying to study and something that I'm really like interested in being a part of so I really want to try like apply for this internship thankfully I got the position and it's been such a great and learning such a great learning experience so far well I'm so glad that you did and so tell us a little bit about or tell listeners a little bit about what your role has been on the project yeah, so I've worked as a project coordinator for the webinars, with mainly from the first two webinars. I did outreach and also connected people to the um, webinars. We had we had colleges from all over America. We had um, different um, Africana studies and American studies centers from all across um, the U.S. come out and join these and join these um, webinars through the emails that I was through the emails that I was. Um, Sending out to them in bulk. Um, might have some of them, some of them uh, got became not so. Some responses became not so friendly after a while. But that's part of the process. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, I that was my main role at the beginning. And then after that, I around I believe the first webinar actually I created an an Instagram for the Afro Latinx Studies Initiative called Tit underscore Afro Latin, and we've been posting a lot about different. Afro-Latin Americans and also different topics in Afro-Latinidad and that Instagram has gotten a lot of engagement and also a lot of um, people participating in our little story polls or engaging with our posts. I was able to work in a collaboration with a student in Brazil actually who knew who was very closely related to Marily Franco and she was um she was like very like very like, passionate about Marily Franco so we were able to work in collaboration to make a whole series of Marily Franco on the Afro Latin Instagram wonderful I can't wait to see more about that yeah. um what would you and we'll get to some of kind of how to access these resources in a second but I want to ask what then uh would you say you learned from working on the project I definitely have learned a lot. I've learned through watching the webinars. I definitely learned more about the Afro-Latinx experience and also more about Afro-Latinidad. I definitely have been using these um, webinars as a source to kind of like, kind of deepen my knowledge of these topics. Also listening to all the podcasts that have been made as well. Um, really just talking more about the intersectionalities of being Black and Latin American and also different um, kind of like, how kind of like Afro-Latinx voices don't really get portrayed and kind of erased in the, pro in the process and in mainstream media in which there's not really that much talk of Afro-Latinidad, which is why these webinars are so amazing because we actually are sitting down getting professionals to have discussions on these topics that are never really spoken about. Great, no, thanks so much for, for, for hitting all those highlights about what about the webinars and what they've been trying to do. I think that's an excellent use of that. And I'm glad, so glad you've been able to engage them in that way. Um, I also want to, you mentioned this a little bit earlier that you are the new president-elect of the Latinx Student Association at FIG, congratulations. Thank you, thank and I, you. And I, and I would wonder, I wonder what would you say um, to new members or other students about why it's important to learn about Afro-Latinx and Afro-Latin American communities? 
This one is very actually easy because even be in, within the club, there's kind of like, I've known the previous year there have been conversations about this hat. And we definitely need to learn about this because I feel like Latinidad in America is very whitewashed. It's very seen through like a white lens. And so this is why it is so important to have like these conversations that, hey, there are all types of different races in Latin America. There, there are black people in Latin America. There are black people here. So there are also black Latinos here as well. We had to be, conscious that different people are going to experience these things. I think too many times people think um, that that Latini, that Latini, that is kind of like this um, like umbrella and like everybody is like kind of like, have this like automatically, we have the same experience as when it's really nowhere. Like there is, is nowhere, it's like nothing like that at all. Um, different people are gonna have different experiences. And I feel like that's definitely a conversation to have. So people, so, my, so like members of my organization can know like, hey, okay, yes, we are all Latinx, but you have to be conscious that different people are going to experience different things. And I feel like there's been a lack of understanding of that within the org sometimes, just caused, um, <laughs> has caused some problems in the past that I won't get into right now. But um, I think this is something that definitely needs to be aware. And I think with this current, with our current president, um, Ashley Bell, she's been, uh, done an amazing job of, um, really like implementing these conversations within the course of the year we have like we've had many um, different conversations about Afro-Latina throughout the course of this past year and I want to be able to continue that and further expand on these conversations next year especially since well knock on wood, knock on wood we'll be in person no I mean I think yeah. what you said is really really significant in that having the conversations within or an organization like the Latinx Student Association where there are different perspectives experiences uh, and to have those conversations and to, to to know and to remind each other that they're not all the same, yeah. they're not all the same, um, that there are lots of different perspectives, that you have to take the, the uh, African diasporic piece, the indigenous piece, um, lots of different arenas uh, to, to go into that conversation. So I'm, um, I'm really uh, uh, great, happy to hear about that. Um, yeah. And so then kind of one and you mentioned several resources, but I'm just thinking about if there's one in particular or several in particular that you'd like to, you recommend to someone who wants to learn more about Afro-Latinidad, where would you direct them? This is a chance. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, put, provide links on the podcast site for people to get at these, but what would you okay. recommend? So the way I got, the way I learned it is through the internet, through media, through media. Um, I watched a lot of videos on Afro-Latinidad and like what it means, and from voice, specifically from voices of people who are Afro-Latino and Afro-Latinx. Um, I watched videos from websites like um, Better Like, uh, Me Too, like those, 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 um, YouTube, those YouTube channels where they spoke on Afro, more about Afro-Latinidad and they had a whole bunch of series and like different things as well. Uh, recently, I was watching one that they were talking about the history of um, Roberto Clemente. Um, actually, it was, I'm going to incorporate that in one of my Instagram, one, use that as a resource for one of my Instagram posts on the um, Latin, um Instagram. But yeah, they have a whole bunch of different conversations that are really interesting. Also, there's this one account on Instagram that really has like engages these conversations as well. Um, the Afro Latin Diaspora is the name of the Instagram account. And they're a really amazing account. And like that's, I've been following that for a while. And I've been from the posts, I've been learning a whole bunch about Afro Latinidad. And they do an amazing job of like kind of 
change like kind of changing people's perspectives as well as kind of like challenging their current like thought yeah challenging their current thoughts as well so i've been following pages like that and also once again having conversations with like pe people who are um afro-latinx and learning and like learning directly from them and then applying it to myself as well Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dennis, yeah. and sharing a little bit about your experiences, your passions, and all these wonderful resources for looking at and examining and learning more about Afro-Latinidad. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Dialogues on Afro-Latinidad, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. For links to the resources mentioned in the interview, visit our website at michellereedvasquez.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>